Welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. Very exciting. As you've already heard, it is uh, our first morning service. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> three people are excited. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's our first morning service. Uh, a couple things for you to know about The Remnant. If you're first time, last time, you're here now. I might as well catch you up. One, I know you're cold. I understand it. But here's what you have to understand about this place. This building is an anomaly. I'm telling you, it's a scientific anomaly. You cannot make it warm when you want it warm, and you cannot make it cold when you want it cold. So you just got to find this strange middle ground. Um, and as you'll see, I'm going to be sweating profusely up here because there's also a 30-degree difference between me and you. So if you come next week, sure, bring a blanket, bring a jacket. Um, because by the end, you'll probably be going, man, why did it get so hot in here? I don't know. It's, it's, this place is an anomaly. Um, the other thing I will explain to you now is you say, man, these people that invited me, why do they seem so groggy? Well, I already told you. They're used to having church at, at like 6 o'clock, and they're not used to this kind of thing. So um, bear with us as we're making that transition. But I'm really excited. If you're here, I really believe that. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. It may be the only time. Listen, you don't even have to like me. You pro- some of you probably won't by the end of this. But uh, I believe that, you know, God's word is still rich and has something good for us every time if we're willing to be open to that. And I hope that you are. So, preface, I don't know. Um, I can't remember the word. You know the thing about legal things that warn you and then you cover your bases? What's that called? No one? Okay, move on. Good, we all forget. Do you guys know what a social club is? Raise your hand if you know what a social club is. Okay. Nice. And we'll see who just is like, I just don't like raising my hand. Raise your hand if you have no idea what a social club is. And then the third group that doesn't like to raise their hand. Yeah, thank you. That's what I thought. Some of you raise your hand for that, by the way. Um, so I'm going to tell you what it is. A social club is a broad, this is an official definition. <clears throat> it's a broad term describing an organization consisting of members that have a shared interest. These clubs allow people invested in an activity or subject to congregate and interact with one another. Common examples include book clubs, movie clubs, hiking clubs, sports clubs, and dance clubs. I got more. Generally, social clubs are membership organizations, primarily supported by funds paid by their members. They must provide an opportunity for personal contact amongst members. There must be a commingling of its members for social, recreational, or similar purposes. And then they made sure we remember this again, supported by membership fees, dues, and assessments. So, fancy terminology, it's a club. got that part, right? That comes together under a common cause, and they take it seriously enough that they pay dues to be in the club. All right, so some examples. Friars Club, motorcycle clubs, book clubs, the Manhattan Club. Anyone heard of that? I have two. I still can't really find out what it is, except it's fancy. Um... The American Cat Fanciers Association. That is considered a a social club. Essentially, a social club is a place to see and be seen. Make sense? It's built around your interests. And honestly, they can be really cool and fun places. There's nothing wrong with that. And before we start, I'm not making fun of social clubs. If you're in a social club, that's great. Makes sense. Have have you ever been invited, if if you're not a member, is anyone a member of a social club? Any of the type of things? Okay. 
Um, has anyone ever been invited to a club or like social organization, a fundraising thing for a club, right? That would be like, anyone raise your hand? Cool. Yeah, I'm supposed to keep having you raise your hand and keep you interacting. Um, <clears throat> so I've worked for nonprofits a long time before I did this church thing. And so I had to, as part of my job, um, go and visit these things, go and visit these clubs. And a lot of times it would be for networking purposes, right? I go there and we go to network and meet people. And I always felt like, and I, I mean this, depending on the club, uh, I, I tended to feel like the moment I walked in that I didn't quite fit in. You know, in fact, most of the time they do this interesting thing, a lot of these clubs, is your first time they will literally ask you to stand up and say your name and what organization you're from and all that kind of thing. And typically, I was just out of college. Um, I, I never felt quite good enough to be in the club because typically the clubs that I'm going to as a nonprofit, ironic the name, I'm there to raise money. That's the real reason I'm going. I'm there to make connections and get donors and raise money and let people know what we're doing. I often felt like I wasn't dressed well enough because you're kind of guessing if you've never been to one. You don't really know what it, what's the, the dress style, right? Some of them are high-end and some of them, so I've been overdressed for some. Literally, I've walked in with like a tie and they're wearing T-shirts and shorts. Embarrassing. And then I've done the other side where I've walked in in just a T-shirt and shorts and they are in ties. Either way, I'm standing out and it feels uncomfortable. I also didn't know the right language. If you've ever been to one, they have a certain way of doing things. They have an order, roll call and old news and all these types of things, and you have to know what to do. And everyone sometimes literally does the same thing at the same time based on what someone at the front says. So they'll say some magical code word, and everyone claps three times, and I'm going, what are we doing? Right? They don't take, even though they want guests, there's not really a moment where they take time to introduce me to this culture, what's going on. And I said, they can be positive places. A lot of these places I visited do really good things help kids, all that kind of stuff. But I always felt like it was sort of a weird culture. And this is what I mean. We all knew that we're there for a purpose. So say I'll make one up. We're here. We're a bunch of business people that are going to help invest in youth. That's a good thing. And they do. And they give money to youth and, and support nonprofit organizations. But there's this weird thing where we, we all go knowing why we're going. Because we're going to network and make connections. I'm, we're there to make money. That's the truth. Now, we're going to do some good while we're doing that. But it's there to make money and make connections. But here's the thing. We pretend that's not the reason. You understand what I mean? So you go there and everyone's shaking hands. And no one ever actually says, hi, here's, you know, I make widgets. And I heard you make wackets. We should trade. You know, whatever that is. They don't do that. There's this sense of let's pretend that we're all here for this noble purpose. And that's the truth. And some of them are. Some of them are there genuinely in their hearts because they love kids, let's say. But what percentage? How many of them are there, if I really could see in their hearts, are there because they want to, let's say in this moment, help kids? And how many of them are there, if they're really honest, because it benefits their business, their connections, raises their money, whatever else? Sales connections, donor connections. Sometimes 
I was told to go there, and I'm not kidding, depending on the organization. Well, you're not going to get any money this time, but you're going to meet, ready, important people. We pretended that we were there for this noble purpose, but most of us weren't. And even the officers who usually were the most gung-ho, a lot of them, you could tell, got a lot of uh, identity from that position. Right? They're the most sold out, but at the end of the day, they're getting something from it. Right? And I'm not even saying that's wrong yet. But if you remember what I said earlier, this is still striking to me. So you come together for a common cause, supported by donors, membership. What does that sound like? It's church. It's church in America. It sounds a lot like church in America. And here's the thing. Most of us at the end of this, while I'm talking, I believe most of us, <laughs> we'll see. If you're still here at the end, most of us are going to agree with the things that I'm going to say because it's in here. And we're going to say, no, 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 not a social club. Not, that's not what we want. But here's the thing. If that's the norm, if that's the norm, most of us tend to get in line. Most of us would rather be the norm, even if it's not necessarily what it's supposed to be, than be pointed out to be different. We say we want different. You want different. You want community. We want truth. You want real biblical X, Y, Z. But do you? Do I? Church membership in America, as of this year, they went it well last year, right? They ran the job last year, and. Before you say it's COVID, they've already taken this into account. Church membership. That means, Todd, I don't have to be a member to be a church. Ooh, Christian, I used to think the same thing. You, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but Christians go to church. It's just how it is. Here's the thing. Church membership has declined to under 50%, probably less because they're including mosques and things like this. So 47% to be exact. For the first time in 80 years, years. And we're all going to go, man, what's the connection? What's the connection between, we're going to blame COVID, and you're going to blame the rock star preachers. That's a popular thing, right? If they're young, and they wear pleated pants, they're evil, right? So we're going to blame all these other factors, but is there a connection between the fact that we're living out this faith like it's, like it's a social club. And even though we're comfortable in the social club, if you're a Christian in this room, even if you're comfortable in the social club, you're not ever going to be content. But some of you would rather be comfortable than content. You don't need to raise your hand for this, but ask yourself this. And this isn't just because some of you are guests. This was going to happen. This was chosen before I knew you were going to come. Do you feel alive in church? You know you're supposed to say yeah, but do you really? Does your church feel alive? Are you in this room and the honest truth is you would say, I love Jesus, but I hate church. Why? And you're gonna, you probably did what I did. I tell the story a lot. My friend Andy's in the room and he used to challenge me and I got mad because I was that guy. I justified not being a part of the body which we'll talk about in a second, by complaining about the body when Christ said you're a part of it whether you want to be or not. 
So the arrogance that we sometimes have to set ourselves above and say, I'm not a part of you because of you. Sometimes there are good reasons you've been hurt. Sometimes it's the fact that you sense the hypocrisy and the strangeness and like, why doesn't this connect with what I'm reading? You see, I didn't grow up in the church. The random folk are like, Todd, here we go again. If you're new, you need to know this. I didn't grow up in the church. I'm going to make a statement. You're going to think I'm kidding. My mom's here. She can tell you today. There is more of a chance that I worship for than there was Jesus of the Bible. Some of you are like, oh, I'm serious. I was into mythology. I knew all that stuff. There was a better chance of that. I wasn't drawn to it. I didn't like Christians. I was a good guy. I didn't like church. And it was because in my mind, well, one, I didn't realize that, that Christians are still flawed, right? We're still flawed. But I noticed they spent a lot more time telling me how I was flawed than talking to me about theirs or about Jesus. It doesn't fit. Remember I told you earlier, sometimes I feel like I'm in this weird world where I am, when I was at the social clubs, where I'm playing a game. Like, we're playing a game, you and me, and I'm not going to tell you that you're here to get money, and you're not going to tell me I'm here to get money, and we'll exchange pens and a card and pretend that we care about kids in that moment. And it felt weird. Let me tell you something. I feel the same way in church sometimes. What a strange thing that every Christian would agree with what I'm going to say. You may not agree with me. You may not like me. It's too cold. It's too hot. You know, my pants are too gray. They're not gray enough, whatever else it is. But at the end of the day, you're going to agree with what the Bible says, and you're going to say amen to certain things. But the truth is we'd rather be comfortable than content. Or even more heartbreaking, if you're a Christian, if you're not, I'll talk to you at the end. You'd rather be comfortable than holy. You'd rather be comfortable than on mission. We're playing a game. If you're, you know, one our lingo here at this church, sometimes I call it the great masquerade. It's a creepy masquerade ball. I'm going to walk in, and you guys get in your car, and right before you come, we, I'll say me. I'll put my mask on, and you put yours on, and we'll come in. And we know we're wearing masks, but I'm not going to ask you what's underneath yours as long as you don't ask me what's underneath mine. And we'll smile and say amen and hallelujah, and we'll walk out, and that's great. Not everyone. Remember I told you even in the social clubs, but some of us. And then we walk out and go, and we lay in bed at night, we go, is this what Christianity is? And we settle for this thing. The church becomes this what? A thing where we pay membership dues? If it's not real, if it's not what it says in there, and I'm, I shouldn't tell you this, I don't want to do it. If it's not true, if Christ isn't real, if all of these things that he tells us to do is not the way, then what are we doing? Does church feel alive? Does your faith? Because they're connected. If the body's not healthy, the Christian isn't healthy. Right? If my arm is broken, it doesn't matter if the rest of me is good, I'm looking weird, my arm's flopping, I'm in pain, I'm not healthy. Listen to this. I'm just going to read a series of verses. I'm not going to explain. Just stay with me. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This always fascinated me. I'm reading from the CSB. You can read from what you want. We know that Peter preached the first sermon. 3,000 people put their faith in Christ. By the way, that was not a feel-good message. 
And it says, and with many words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. That was, imagine that. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and this means awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves. <laughs> Every day. Can't go over 35 minutes. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Does that sound like church most of the time? It doesn't. We read this section one time several years ago, and I had a guy, he was a member of this church, so I can say, and he walks up to me and says, are you trying to tell me to sell all my stuff like a communist and give it to the church? He said that. He did. And I was like, what? First of all, I'm not going to point out what I was really thinking, like, you're a lunatic, like, if that's what you got from this. But what I did say was I said, no, but you know what? What if God did want you to? That would be weird. You know what you, tell me the word you'd call a church that was doing this. You know the word. What's it called? Cult. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Some of you in this room would call that a cult. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. Do you realize that? That you're a holy sanctuary. You're also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You're a Christian in the room if you're not. It's still true, but I'll talk to you later. Remember I told you that. Just bear with me. God is here. God himself is here. Todd, that's ridiculous. Is it? It says that. When we come together, when a church is together, it is a sanctuary. It's the temple. It's the holy of holies. It is the presence of God himself is here. Does church feel like that? Many times. But that's who you are. When you come together, God wants to be there. 1 Peter 2.5. I love this. 1 Peter 2.5. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you feel like a holy priest? It don't really matter what you feel because you are in Christ. You're a holy priest. You are living stones. I love the picture of this. We're like bone, bones, that's not true, boulders, right? We're stones, we're rocks, and we roll together when we do like a big Lego. We build the temple of God. That's why this building doesn't matter. Church is where you are when you're gathered together for a purpose. Do you, does it feel that way? Does it feel that alive? 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you know... Yourself, don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary? <laughs> this is gonna, I'm going to mess with you just first. I love words. A sanctuary is also a place of rest. What an interesting thing, God's sanctuary. 
God's rest and that the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him. For God's sanctuary is holy and that is what you are. Does it say if you don't do bad things sometimes? Does it say if you, if you don't stumble or fall? No, it says you're holy. And you're so holy that if someone were to destroy God's sanctuary, which Christ himself, not even hell can prevail against the church. But even if they could, God would destroy that person because that's how important this is. We're in the middle of a series called Inconvenient Church. Oh, I just came up. So what it is, is where I'm going to tell you, if I never see you again, you're already here. Here's an inconvenient truth for you. Things that we don't really think about in Scripture because they're not real convenient. They don't fit our paradigm. They don't fit the social club. Here's the thing. Here's an inconvenient truth. Church is not a social club. Church is not built around what you like. Church is not built around what makes you happy or comfortable. Some of you are already getting mad. P.S., if you're mad at me already, that's a hint. Because I haven't even said anything, really. It's, it's meant to be so much more. And it's not just criticizing. Guys, it's, we don't realize we've accepted this, this shell of a thing. We're, you are God's holy priesthood. His chosen people. A city on a hill. The light of the world. The salt of the earth, that is what God's people is. And we've settled for what? The American Fat Cancy Fat American Cat Fanciers Association. Because that's what we, I mean, that's the gist of it. We laugh, but isn't it? It's meant to be more. And I think you know it. And some of you, this might be the first time you've been in church in a long time, and I was you because you were hurt. You love Jesus. You love the gospel, but you've become jaded because no one really believes it, right? You feel dumb. It feels like you're, you're believing in something that everyone else is playing make-believe with, and so you're like, what's the point? It doesn't matter what the world's doing. It doesn't even matter what the church is trying to redefine church as. God has said what it is. So we have a choice to make. Will we let him direct us in how we're supposed to be? Or will we settle for the Cat Fanciers Association? Pay your dues. And when you pay your dues, you're entitled, right? What do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that some of you in this room, I don't know, if you're like me, you, you love God, you love the church, but you sometimes go, is this it? You go to church because you love Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Some of you, you're dead. It feels dead. It feels empty. It feels like a shell. And you still go because you have faith and you honor God. But as you're buttoning your shirt up or pulling your shirt down or put, not down, up, uh, putting your shoes on or whatever else to go to church, there's that point of like, oh, I can't wait till I'm done and I can eat that Taco Bell or I can go here. The space between in this case, 11 and 12, 15, 12, 30 is just the in-between between I wake up and I get to eat. That's not what it's supposed to be. And the world sees that. They see the game. They know we don't save people. But we have a responsibility 
to show Christ to a world that desperately needs him. What Christ are we showing? I don't have it all figured out, so before some of you, I'm going to talk to that voice that hates me or doesn't like me right now. I'm not setting myself above you. I'm, I'm in this. I'm just asking questions. What do we do with that, and how, if anything, can we fix it? Every church in America would say they don't want to be that. It's kind of like, you know, at one point, it's probably not the case anymore, 67% of Americans said they were Christians. You really believe 67% of America has put their faith in a risen Christ? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. You know, the initial thought is we'll read the body, the body one, right? In Corinthians, I'm, we're going to talk about how we're all the body. But I want, to, I want to talk about a different section because I think in this we can get a clue on what we can do to change it if we're willing to be different. Are you willing to be different if it's the right way? Or would you rather be a part of the crowd doing it wrong? Because, by the way, this isn't a salvation thing. Even if we don't do church the way God told us to, it's heartbreaking but he loves us and holds on to us. We're the ones settling for less. Romans chapter 12, little context. The Apostle Paul, good guess. If you're ever wondering who wrote a book with the name of a city or a country, it's Paul. Just take a guess, you'll get it right most of the time. He's writing to uh, Rome, right? Wrote to the Romans. And essentially, one of the things we forget is that culture at the time, there wasn't 67% of Romans saying they were Christians. This was a group of people small that met, and they're surrounded by a culture that tells them to do something different than what God has told them. And it didn't matter whether you came from the Jewish side or whether you came from the Greek side, the Gentile, both of them had to change. Both of them had to learn the way of Christ. And so Paul was constantly saying, you cannot let this, these outside crowds influence the direction that you're going. Sound familiar? Surrounded? Here we go. So Paul says, and we're going to hop around. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service and service, if teaching and teaching. If, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. <laughs> Here's your sandwich. Anyway. With cheerfulness. Let me explain this. I'll connect it later, right? Well, let's, let's think about this. I want no one should think more highly of himself than he should. You want to know one of the reasons we're in a social club? Because we like to think highly of ourselves. And we prefer to have it our way, right? When you go to McDonald's and they don't put that pickle on, you're driving back to get that pickle. I do too, right? I paid for it, put my pickle on, right? It's the same thing at church. I come to church, it's too cold, too hot, uh, too smelly, too not smelly. You know, they yelled, they played weird music, um, blah, blah, whatever it is. And by the way, if you're members, you have a home church and came to visit, this is all of us. So this is for you there. What are we doing in that moment? We have set ourselves up as the judge of what's right. You think a church uh, in Zambia would look the same as here? Christian church? How about China, where they hide in basements with candlelight with one page of the Bible? No. It doesn't look the same. 
And so sometimes we can put our expectations on church. Now, that sounds okay, right, when it's you, but now you've got 100 people each saying this is how we're supposed to do it. Weirdly enough, not starting with what God says on how to do it. It goes on to say, why? Why shouldn't you do that? Because we're all part of the same body. It don't matter if you're the big stinky toe or the pretty face, you're part of the body. I was telling some people this earlier. Listen, the big toe doesn't seem important until you want to run or walk. We're all a part of a body. So if one of us is down, then we're all down. If one is sick, we're all sick. If one is rejoicing, we're, we're all rejoicing. It affects all of us. But the truth is, most of the time we don't think that way. We don't connect those two. Because it's impossible to think we're all connected and equal if I've set myself above you to tell, and I'm the one who can tell you what's right, normal, and good. He goes on to talk about gifts, because I love this. There's a lot of unspoken things. Okay, listen, even if you're a prophet, if you're a leader, a teacher, if you lead this ministry, if you're the rich person, if you're popular, it doesn't matter, you should be using that gift to serve each other. That's why you have it. And we don't tend to think that, right? We sort of, human nature in our fallen state tends to judge people based on their gifts, their social status, whatever. You're more important. If you have more money, more connections, you're this. It's not to be that way in Christ's church. Then that's the gist of that. Jumping down to verse 9, the next one, listen. These are, I'll connect it for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Love must be without hypocrisy. <laughs> Detest evil. Cling. Hold on with everything to what is good. If you've got to cling to something, Right? Am I clinging to this podium? No. The answer is no. I know it's early for the remnant folk. No, I'm not. Why don't I have to cling to this? This is that part I keep interacting. It's easy to do this. If I'm falling, right, if it's difficult, if it's hard, I'm going to have to hold on to everything with everything I have. If it says that we have to cling to what is good, here's the bottom line. We're not naturally going to do it. Even after Christ, we're going to have to hold on to it. You want to love without hypocrisy? We can all say amen, but you got to hold that. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. I like this. Do you ever outdo? Like, is the competition on who can love each other better? Somebody, I'm going to love you better. I'm going to give you more honor. I'm going to give you more honor, right? That doesn't happen. Do not lack diligence. Diligence. Be consistent, right? Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Can you go back to that? Share with the saints in their needs. Let me redo it for you, how we tend to, human. Share with the saints when we feel like it or we have enough to share. And I don't think we're evil that we do that. We just get in this mindset, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what's honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. 
Most of the time when I read this section, even personally, I read it as a, he's speaking to me as a Christian. But remember what I said at the beginning, body, this is how you're to be with each other. If possible, live at peace. That sounds like a pretty good place. Love without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Here's a simple way to love without hypocrisy. Just give you an example, I just told you. When I'm allowed to tell you what's normal and good, when I'm allowed to tell you how to, what's the right way to dress, talk, and speak, that's not in the Bible, it's just, just my style. If I'm allowed to tell you what's the correct way to play music and the correct way not to and what time to have it and all these other things, here's where the hypocrisy is. You're, you're expecting them to accept that, but what happens when I tell you the same thing? Who wins? Who wins? Show family affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In verse 21. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I understand why. I I didn't realize how arrogant I was. I'm going to be honest with you guys. How arrogant I was until I got into ministry. I all the time would tell people how it's supposed to be. And by the way, there is a standard. God's word is a standard. There's, a, there's things that are black and white. Trust me, if you, you're going to base, well, this guy's all up, you, you need to come again. Because I, I don't err on that side. I tend to get in trouble because I'm very, this is black or white. But there are things that we hold to be black or white that aren't. You don't get to tell me, right, what's considered worship. Because somebody else is going to tell you, you, you know there's denominations say that you're worldly if you have any sort of instruments. And again, there's no problem with them gathering as a group one to do that together, right? If they're worshiping, praise God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the idea where there's this standard that we're judging each other on, basing our love on all these things. You're playing a game. You're following the rules, but you've missed the point. You don't even know why you're playing anymore. You can be a good Christian and not follow Christ in America. You can. You can be a good Christian by the standards that we put on ourselves and not follow Christ. Bottom line. So that being said, right, you guys, we want to be alive. It's not just about negativity. I, I hurt when I see people, like some of us that have accepted that truth, we've only accepted it because what's the other alternative? That's why we're lonely and hurt. That's why we struggle, um, you know, to share our burdens. What a powerful verse in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. It's funny, though. How can, I help, how can we help each other carry each other's burdens when we don't tell each other? And we'll tell us some, right? Yeah, it's been tough. Transmission went out of my car. Do we share the porn addiction? Do we share the marriage problems? Do we share those things? That's not allowed, though, right? Because the rules say there's certain things that you can be a part of this, but there's certain things that you can't. And so what happens? Well, I just got to tighten my mask a little tighter because I don't want you to see what's under it because you'll kick me out of the club. Because being in the club isn't about Jesus holding on to me anymore. It's about me paying my dues and being a good member of the Cat Fanciers Association. So I'm going to leave you with a list. I found my, our church loves lists. I'm not a natural at them. 
but I, I, that's what it is. Here's a list for you, right? Here's some, this is what I would say. Remember I told you earlier, can we change this? I think we can. I think we can change it. And listen, this is a broad topic. I got to do a whole series on this. So there's a lot more nuance to this. There are certainly churches out there that are going the other way, okay? Again, if, that have no truth. I don't accept everything right in here. I mean, that's a big problem too. But do you know what part of the reason they're successful? Because they do certain parts really well. And it's creepy. Welcome you. We're all part of the body. Right? What body? We don't do that. We don't always do that. How do I know? All right. Since some of you are already mad, probably, and you may not come back, I'll say this. When you first came in, when I first came up here, and this is for me too, we do this. What did you judge immediately? What did you immediately say? Did you think, wow, this is really cool, I get to be here? Or did you say, I'm not picking on anyone. Me too, I do it, especially if it's hot. For me, it's not cold. I'm hot all the time, so I'm like, it's hot in here. It's too hot, too cold, music's too loud, guy's too negative, doesn't talk enough of the Bible, didn't go into depth. What's he talking about? Sounds like he's being mm, universalist. He's too legalistic. It doesn't matter. The point is that we've been trained to do that. So being the body, we want to change it. Here's some keys I think can help us that we can take from Romans, actually, chapter 12, broad overview. We need to exist in a kingdom mindset. Listen, it's not going to be normal. You want to change this? You want the church in America to be what the church is supposed to be and not just a good American church? We've got to be willing to be different. You want to be different? You've got to be willing to accept the entire gospel, which is this, count the cost. You have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to be different, look weird. Um, why would you do that? That's not normal. You have to be willing to do it. You, you have to be willing to say, I'm not going to make this comfortable for everyone at the expense of losing everything it actually is. Christianity is not all-inclusive. You ready? I know I just told you, you just told me. It is. It isn't in the sense of there's a line to be a part of a church where you don't have to be perfect, but you got to be willing to what? Admit you're not perfect and admit to submit to what God says and do it to the best of your ability. We have to exist in a mindset where it doesn't matter if Bob, the next door neighbor, thinks I go to the weird church where people talk to each other more than one day a week. Right? Yeah. Um, I might as well tell you, so one of the things around that, a lot of these people spend time together. They play volleyball, do whatever. I've, people have literally said, that's so weird. You guys hung out three times a week? That's so weird. But here's the weird, weirder part. You know what's weird? But you can go hang out with your work friends that you see five out of seven days a week, make it six on Saturday, and that's normal. Is that You think about that? Isn't that weird? I just said weird and then called you weird. Anyway. Number two, we've got to change our mind. Number two, love radically, love like Jesus. Here's the thing. You have to choose it. He talked about loving your enemies. He put that in there. The bottom line, guys, we have got to accept that. I struggle to love my enemies. It's hard to love somebody that's out to get you. It is. Unless you realize that, you know, boy, I'm sure glad God loved me when I was his enemy. You got to love radically like Jesus. And I said choose it because it's not going to come naturally. Remember what I said earlier? Cling to good. Even in the spirit, yes, fruit of the spirit, 
peace, patience, love, all these beautiful things. It's going to grow out of a healthy Christian, but you've got to do things. You've got to water the tree. You've got to make effort in order to do that. And sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and choose to love someone. That's just the way it is. And that's hard. And that's okay that it's hard. That's where the good stuff is, right, in the heart. You have to choose it. You have to seek, you know, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. We don't do that in the church, man. We do not do that. One of the strangest things I've found since coming into ministry, I told you guys I wasn't ready in the church. If I told you my whole story, I won't. I'll bribe you to come back, and I'll tell you sometime. But I, it makes no sense. But one of the things genuinely I've found, and I know I have to preface by telling you how horrible I am. I really am. I know I'm not a great person. Thank God for his grace. I mean that. I mean that genuinely. But one of the things I did learn is like, man, the, the strange competition between churches. You know what I'm talking about. It's so weird. It's so weird. Now, I get how it happens because the truth is imagine your job being entirely dependent, your ability to feed your family being dependent on whether a bunch of people like you or not. That's terrifying, right? It's not really dependent on that, but that's the feeling it can, that you can have. So then you start looking at people and you start getting nervous and anxious and jealous and frustrated. And then it's like, oh, I've got to make sure my people know those people are bad. you got to choose to love like Jesus. you got to choose to be at peace with everyone as best you can. All those things. Number, i got to move, man. I'm going too long. Number three, change from a club mindset to a family mindset. I mean this. He just said that. You want that kind of community? And here's, here's the bottom line. The ones in the room who truly know Jesus, I mean this. You want that. You want a place where you can walk in. Imagine a world where you can walk up to your pastor. And I hope maybe you guys have this. That's awesome. And you could tell him that you have a porn addiction. And his first words out of his mouth is, well, we're going to remove you from your ministry position. Even though how much did it take for you to come up here and talk to me and even tell me that. To confess that. Sometimes that, that might happen, but sometimes, like, why is that our first thought? That you could come up and say, hey, how, how are things? And you could say, not great. Me and the wife are having a lot of problems, or me and the husband are really struggling, or, you know, whatever it is. And not think that it's going to make you look bad, or everyone's going to tell everyone else that you could just carry each other's burdens. In a world where you'd be willing to hear truth and correction, too. That's, that'd be, I mean, we get there, that's good, but then you got to take it the next step. Are you willing to hear, hey, you got to stop doing that, and what are we going to do to kill it, right, to kill that addiction? How can I support you in that? If I really love you, I'm not just going to leave you in it. we got to change to a family mindset. Show family affection. Do you look at your church, brothers and sisters? I know you, some, and by the way, some of you do this, but as a, as a church culture, as Christians, we got to do this. Are you willing to love your Christian brothers and sisters that you don't like? Again, confession, I'm not great at that. Right? I don't like arrogant people, and here's the irony. In doing so, I then become arrogant, right? Because I have, I have then judged them. Can't be a club. It's got to be a family. This is different. has to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Number four, be patient. In good and tough times. Boy, we do not have that in the church today. We don't. If I go by um, church growth models, they're out there. And some, and some of that stuff's good. I got one chance. I got one chance to put my best foot forward with you. I'll never see you again. 
And that goes for churches across, across the country. There are awesome churches out there. It's not the pastor's fault. It's we make the church. Not always the pastor's fault, right? We're not patient. We're not patient with each other when we struggle, right? You're allowed to mess up once, but twice? Mm-hmm. Now you're choosing the devil's work. We're on this process, this journey. I can tell you today, I am going to be more or less, I'm going to say that's probably good for me. I'm going to be less blunt and harsh. I've been on this for a year. I'm telling you guys right now, right? You guys know me well. Have I been trying this for a year? Yeah, I, st- I probably messed up today. I, like I just, I'm on this. But I want to be. Are we patient with each other and allowing that? Allowing growth? Trusting our hearts? In good and tough times. Number five, this is, I got caps on this one, share. That sounds silly, right? What if we just started sharing with each other? I'm not just talking information, but play on words, could be. Someone needs something, you offer it. You don't just go to the church board. Hey, Rick needs, uh, needs 100 bucks. You know, I'm going to put a you know, thing in for him. When you have $7,000 in bank account, you don't need that person to, to share. It doesn't have to be money, but that's the one we don't like, right? Creating a culture of sharing where it's like, we don't have to worry, you're going to hold it over me. You're not going to go tell everyone, well, I don't know if you guys heard, but I gave Rick $100. Praise God. He just works in mysterious ways through me when I gave him $100. (laughs) Right? And then people are like, well, I ain't borrowing anything from that guy. He's just going to tell everyone. Number six, be willing to live life together. (laughs) You can't. You can't do this thing if I don't know you, if you don't know me. But remember, it builds on each other. You're not going to know me, and I'm not going to know you if we're playing the masquerade game. What would it be like if, if you knew, there's wisdom in this, I'm, I'm just saying, let's, what if, would it be like if you knew that a church somehow could see everything, shameful, dark, your embarrassed stuff, your worst moments, And when you open your eyes, they were still there. How would that change all of this? Because that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, there's a time. We're talking, again, I'm talking about Christians who are doing this stuff. There's a time for church. What about church discipline, Todd? Discipline is not punishment. It's correction. And even then, you know, when you, in God's kingdom, you know, church discipline is entirely dependent on the person's response. If you end up getting kicked out of the church, I didn't kick you out if I'm doing it right. You chose to not repent and change, and you end up in this end of the line, right? But the beauty of it, of being able to come forward and say, this is who I am, what would that do? Half the reason we pick at each other is we're just trying to make sure nobody looks behind ours, right? If I point out all yours, you're going to be too busy fixing you to, to look at me. The early church did that all the time. There's some crazy stories in there. Even in 1 Corinthians, uh, I mean, throughout it, so, you know, Paul's having to say, no, you know, I'm making this up. This is not in there, but no, please tell Bartholomew 
that he should not be stealing people's babies. You know, I'm just making that up. But it's something crazy, right? Please tell Bartholomew that he should not be sleeping with both of his neighbor's wives. That's wrong. He needs to repent. It's evil. You know what happened today to old Bartholomew? He, he's out. He doesn't even get a chance. It's a game. We all pretend what we're above this stuff. We're above a moment of foolishness. It wouldn't be in the Bible if there weren't opportunities that might happen. Our job is to hold each other accountable. But how can you do that if we don't know each other? We're not going to know each other. If we're afraid, we're going to kick each other out. Uh, number seven. Man, I know. I got to go. I got to go. Fight for unity. You have to fight for unity. It isn't easy to be unified. When I'm playing basketball in men's group, which will be here tonight if you like basketball, or not here, but like, and someone, uh, you know, Brandon just punched me in the face. I'm just kidding. Last week, he did ram his shoulder into my face. I'm, this is a silly thing. I fall on the ground. I didn't want to be unified with him. <laughs> I wanted to be far from unified with him. That's a small thing, but what happens? You know, we've got to accept the fact that, like, we, we're going to step on each other's toes sometimes. We have to hold on to each other, fight for unity. Number eight, I'm going to teach you the lingo here. Remember I told you that was one of the things, the lingo, one of our words? Practice third love. That sounds like a creepy thing. What is that, a hippie thing? No, here's what it is. Third love, you've probably heard I am second. Raise your hand if you've ever heard I am second videos, right? That's a beautiful thing. It's like, hey, God first, then me. I actually think it should be third. God, other people, then you. Practice living that mindset out. That sounds crazy. Well, who's going to take care of me? Well, here's the beauty of it. If we're all doing it, everybody's taken care of, right? If, if who can I am? I don't want to embarrass someone. David will let me. If David is loving me, not worrying about himself, and Josh is loving other people and not himself, and David, and I'm loving Josh, everybody's getting loved. But that goes against the human nature. Many of us have so many wounds that we don't trust. Practice it. Live it out. Choose it. How about this? This is a weird one. This is even if you're a member of another church. Do you know sometimes it's not about whether you feel like going to church that day? Maybe you won't get anything out of it. What if I told you that your whole reason to go to church was for the person next to you? What if it was for the pastor to see someone there and feel like someone's listening to what he's saying? Would that be worth it? Or is it only about what you get? we got to change that stuff. P.S. I'm not coming down there. I kind of am, but I'm part of the club. Get it? See what I did? I do the same things. But we shouldn't. And number nine, set the culture and conquer with good Set the culture. It's a popular, it's a thing we say around here. Listen, you have got to be willing to be weird to the world standards if we want to change church. You've got to be willing to say, hey, those are the weirdos. That's happened the entire, that's it, the entire history of Christendom. We've been weirdos. That's who we are. Do you, just so you know and make sure you know how weird you are, you believe a man died and was raised from the dead and is now ascended next to the Father. That's what you say you believe. The man took a couple of fish and a loaf of bread and fed thousands. That's what you say you believe. You're already weird. <laughs> You're trying to make something weird normal. It isn't normal. It's better. Set the culture. Why do I say set it? 
I like medieval stuff. I'm a nerd. I picture like a knight ramming his pennant in the ground. He's like, I'm not leaving here. I'll die here before I give an inch up. So come and call me weird. That's cool. You know what's the crazy thing? If we set culture like that, what you're going to find is even the people that are attacking us are eventually going to go, wait, they really mean this? Well, I want that too. The Christians who have been trained to, I, I want to be loved and, and, and be able to share these burdens and grow and beat this addiction. I want that. And conquer with good. I love that word, action. Conquer. I'm a guy. I don't know. Conquer. You could have just said take. Conquer. Be so good. Pursue it so hard that you just crush evil. Right? You just crush that culture that says all of that stuff. You know, if you'll pick at the line, if you'll be out there picking against homosexuality, will you pick at the line against pride and arrogance and hate? Will you stand for that in the church? Or does that not matter as much? Both matter. So she's going to come play some music. And you guys, uh, you know, you get to go uh, do what you want to do. We call this altar time. This time is for you and God. I got, there's no agenda here. Whatever God is saying to you, however you need to respond, you can stay at your chair. It's, you should respond. There's people up here willing to pray for you and pray with you. Maybe you're that person that's been so hurt and you said, Todd, man, I want what God wants for me, but I'm, the truth is I'm scared to death. There's power in prayer. It tells us that. By the way, I'm, there's going to be people up here ready to pray for you, and you're going to think that's weird because we don't do that. I, I caved to that one time. I was like, let's just put them in the back. I did. And I was like, put them in the back because that's not as weird. You know what happened? Nobody went. ask you something. Do you feel like church is alive? Do you feel like you, uh, do you long for more? Do you want more than just the social club? Do you want more? Do you want what you, when we read and we hear these stories and these miracles and people sharing stuff and, and they're, they're getting added to their number every week, do you want to be a part of that? Or do you want to be in the Cat Fanciers Association? Are you content to be a member of some strange, weird, masquerade social club? It's going to be scary to take that mask off. Are you willing to be different to have something more? I'm serious. And, and, and this isn't about here. Take this to your church. Are you to be different, to have something more, to be the beautiful body of Christ in a dark, desperate, and dying world. <laughs> you understand that? You know why we're the light of the world? Because we point to the only person that can give life. We don't have time to be playing no game. Are you willing to set culture? Are you willing to walk out today and say, maybe I can't change anyone else, but I'm not moving from here? get enough people doing that, something crazy happens. Are you willing to be about it and not just talk about it? Because every Christian is going to agree with this stuff. Unless they're a cult. Just kidding. We have such an important mission. If it wasn't for a church, 
that did something weird that I even thought was weird, which is put a play on called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I would have never known Christ. If my buddy hadn't invited me to this thing, I would have never went and heard this weird play that I'm telling you, even now, I'm like, it was weird. But somehow, some way, Jesus found me there in the dark while some really bad actors performed on a stage at a church. People are dying. I was dying. I had one my whole life, from zero to 17, never knowing who Jesus was, being surrounded by people who were believers. such an important mission. If you're in this room today, so if, if that's you, if you say, man, I've been adding to the other culture, let me stop. I, if I'm honest, Todd, I have been the one condemning and judging and being, you know, pursuing hate more than love. If that's you, repent. You know what that means if, you, if you're that person. It means turn away from it. Say, I'm done, God. I want to be better. It's going to involve being weird, I'm telling you. It's going to feel weird because you've been doing it so long. But if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I got a few seconds to tell you the best thing in the world, but it starts with really bad news. Here's the reality, guys. If this whole Jesus, gospel, Christ thing, because I don't believe for a second, everybody in this room believes, and that's okay. I was you. I just told you that. Here's the reality, though. The Jesus many of you have been told or shown is not the Jesus of the Bible. It wasn't for me. He's not just the guy who looks at you from that weird, creepy picture where it seems like his eyes are falling you all the time. You know what I mean. He's not the guy that's just there to tell you how bad and ugly you are forever. He's not here to condemn you. How do I know that? Todd, you better tell him the whole thing. I will. Just talking to the, you in the room. Give me a second. Here's the truth. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. Here's the good news. And it starts with bad. God made everything. Let's not debate it. You know it. Look at a tree. This is even a tree. Look at the sun. You have one, one rule. The rule is let me be God and you be not. I will tell you what right and wrong is and good and evil. That's it. That's the truth. That's the choice in the garden. Will you let me decide what good and evil is? Will you follow my direction? And we said, no, I would rather be God, right? And we say, well, why? And then when it happened, we were separated from God. The consequences came. Because God is good and holy, he can no longer be in relationship with something that isn't. Easy analogy. A pure white snowball and a mud ball. If I touch them together, is the snowball white anymore? No. Even if he wanted to, he can't, by his very nature, be in relationship with us when we are sin-filled. He can't. He is just we are evil. And before you say, well, I'm pretty good. How good is pretty good? If I came into your house, I said this last week, you made people mad. I came into your house, I kicked your dog, punched your grandma, stole all your money, and burned your car on the way out. Okay? I go in. They, they eventually catch me. It's a long, drawn-out race. I was on my way to Mexico. They found me, okay, and they took me in, and I'm standing before the judge, and the judge says, what's your defense? And I said, here's my defense, I've been really good for 364 days of the year. This one day, I had a bad day. And he goes, you know what? That's, you have been pretty good. Go home. 
Are you going to sit there with your, your, your granny's broken nose and think that's justice? No. You know what justice is, and I do too. We just don't want to deal with the reality. The Bible says because of that, we've been separated from God. We are sinful. We are guilty before a holy God. And because of that, the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. We have stored up wrath for ourselves. We are not his friends. We are his enemies. And what's happened for thousands of years of human existence is what happens when the creation leaves the creator. It's a mess. Look outside. Watch the news. We're not very good at being God. Look at your own life. I'm not even very good at being a Todd, let alone God. It's a bad place to be. And we would be condemned to hell. Hell's real. And whether you, it's literal fire or whether it isn't, doesn't matter. It's the most pain you'll ever experience. It's separation from holy God. It is utter agony and loneliness and despair. And so we're all running around trying to find something, right? Because we know that we're separated from God. We know it. When you lay at bed at night, no matter how many things you do or how many bodies you lay with or how many drinks you drink, when you look up at the ceiling, you know something's wrong. It's never enough. It's because we were made for more. So that's a terrible place to be, but here comes the good news. We couldn't make our way back to God. It was impossible. Couldn't pay our debt, death. So when we couldn't come to him, he came to us. And Jesus Christ existed, Jesus of Nazareth. Look it up. He's a, he's a person. So here's your options. C.S. Lewis, I love him, my dead mentor, okay? I'll tell you what he, he said. He, he's not a good teacher. He's a pretty good guy. Nope. He is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He is the son of God, or he isn't. And if he is, then you must respond. So what did he do? He came down, he showed us how to live. He showed us what it was like in the kingdom before. He told us how to love and good things and showed us this. But that would have been just cruel, right? Hey, back home where I have for you, this is what life's like. And you can live this way. But he did something crazy. He bridged the gap so we could go home. And on the cross, that's what happened. He paid our price so that we could be clean and holy. He took the wrath that was for us. He died, horrible physical, even a spiritual death, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, an innocent man? On the third day, he rose from the dead. It's a fact. Look it up. So many exciting things I could tell you. Historical. He, he existed. Now, here's the thing. Here's what happens. God offers you an opportunity through Christ on the cross. You come to him and you give him your pride. You give him your arrogance. You give him your sin. You say, you reverse the decision. You're God, I'm not. I know I am a sinner. I know I am not you. And in that moment, when that happens, when we give it to him, he will take it and do something incredible. He will take all of that, the sin, the brokenness, the emptiness, the wrath, and in return, even if he stopped there, we'd be in trouble, right? I just told you I'm not good at being a good Todd. The next day, I just store up more. He did something crazy. He gave us the benefit of his perfect life forever. That's it. So you may have been told a lot of things about what it is to be a Christian. This is it. I know it took a long time, but this is very important. 
It doesn't matter how long you went to church. It doesn't matter if your mom or dad was a Christian. It doesn't even matter if you thought you were a Christian until this moment. If right now in your heart you don't know that you are, you can't say with certainty that if you died today, Lord forbid, that you would stand before God and be welcomed as a friend. And hear this. The Bible says in Romans, actually, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Turn away from what you've done and turn. You don't have to have it figured out. I didn't. I still don't. I've done a lot of terrible things since I've been a Christian. But he has promised to never let you go. You can have that today. Wherever you're at, I know it's long, I know. For the next five minutes, wherever you're at, whatever camp you're in, whether it's at your seat or it's up here, respond however God's calling you to respond. But whatever you do, don't leave the same you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to.